five, four, three, two, one. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Paul here, realestatepodcastshow.com. Today I've got another exciting episode for you guys to uh, tune in on and to um, enjoy and, and educate and entertain you, I hope, at the same time. Um, for me, when I'm uh, looking around and, and I'm on Twitter and social media and other places and I see someone that has a very interesting story uh, and it looks like some of the stuff that they're talking about you guys might want to know. Uh, I figure that's good enough reason to have them join me on the podcast. So today I'm very uh, privileged to have Rakim Sabri joining me. He is uh, known as Social Architect on Twitter. And um, I want him to uh, share his stories and uh, tell you guys a little bit about uh, what he does and uh, you know, where, he's, uh, where he's from. So welcome to the podcast, Rakim. Hey, thanks, Paul. Good to be here. Yeah. So let's start off with, and again, it's obviously part of your pinned tweet, and that's something that, uh, of course, is uh, a little bit of a sneak preview of, of, of who you are and what you've been through. So let's uh, let's talk about this, because again, we don't really know each other. So we're sitting down together virtually, sort of at the at the coffee shop, but virtually. Uh, so let, uh, let everybody, including me, know a little bit about uh, you and where you're from and uh, start from there. Yeah, so my name is Rakim Sabri. I am from Mount Vernon, New York, which is a city in Westchester County. Um, I grew up experiencing aspects of poverty, so I, I tend to lead with that in yep. these conversations uh, relating to financial education, particularly of late, as I've leaned into this uh, theme, if you will, of financial trauma. Yeah. Um, for me, the biggest... I guess transformation occurred when I left New York um, with my mom back in 2010. And then, um, you know, we went to Texas, we stayed out there for a little while and then came up back to New England um, in Connecticut. And I started working in the banking industry. Okay. And uh, my manager, the person who hired me actually was a couple of years older than I was but she had owned um, a multifamily. I think it was a three family actually yep. talked a lot about credit, talked a lot about, um, you know, the 401k, just all of these concepts that I did not grow up hearing about, or that I did grow up hearing about, but didn't believe was for me. And I think it was the proximity and age that had the most profound impact on my mindset shift and saying, Hey, if this person can do it and they're, you know, five years or less older than me, then why can't I do it? Mm -hmm. And so I became um, really consumed with this idea of learning as much as I could uh, with regard to financial literacy. Uh, I was gifted the book Rich Dad, Poor Dad in all of this, which um, opened my eyes up to, you know, the concepts of like the cash flow quadrant and investing and entrepreneurship. And um, again, I was working in banking, so I had to have some baseline knowledge on the products and services that I was selling to customers. But because I was customer facing, I also got a lot of exposure to the way that people did money yeah. individually. Yeah. So, um, you know, all of this kind of brewing in the forefront of my mind 
was extremely exciting for me. And I went to, you know, friends and family from back home. And I'm like, hey, have you heard of this? Have you done this? Do you have that? And realized that I was speaking above, you know, a lot of their comprehension. So that's where I decided to get into financial education and start talking about um, these concepts on a very, very high level, um, introducing some of these themes and topics. And that was back in, I want to say, 2000. 18 okay maybe a little bit before um so at that point in time i had been in the banking industry for a little while yeah and um very quickly i decided to niche down into um, a concept called financial empowerment where it was more about what is your relationship with money from a from a mental perspective like what do you believe is possible for you um and so this was after i delivered a tedx talk um, in 2019, and I had wrote uh, my my second book, Financially Irresponsible. And then going into 2020 and 2021, um, you know, it was kind of like the tail end of my career in banking. I left the uh, industry in 2021. Yeah, I started talking about financial trauma and and really diving deeper into this financial psychology, which is very much an emerging field in the spectrum of personal finance. And that's where just I felt the most at home for a couple of reasons. I think because, um, first of all, not everybody is talking about it. So I get to um, really champion this cause and bring light to, um, you know, financial psychology in a different way, in a unique way, I think. Um, But also because it's so personal. And so it's not the, you know, ABCs and one, two, threes of, you know, opening up a Roth IRA and, you know, contributing or, you know, some kind of formulaic approach to finances that is blanketed and everybody, you know, looks at it from a cookie cutter perspective. Your psychology and my psychology or anybody else's psychology around money is going to be uniquely influenced by the experiences that you've had growing up, mm-hmm. the experiences that you have in, as an independent adult with money, um, you know, how much money you make or don't make, how much debt you have, you know, what what your investing habits look like, your risk tolerance, your um, the field of employment, your education. I mean, there's so many variables into um, what's going to influence how you believe, you know, money works Mm -hmm. and how you navigate that and so um i've been spending a lot of time in that space um and and i think it's it's an opportune time because there's just a lot of noise on social media in particular around the right way and i'm using air quotes um Mm -hmm. the right way to do money and and the reality is that there is no one right way it's very intimate it's very personal it's very individual and it's constantly changing uh you know what a lot of the stuff that you're saying and this is why i think i was gonna really enjoy talking to you is because a lot of the stuff you're talking about is exactly uh what i went through and i know that there's going to be more people who are going to understand this i grew up in the um, scarborough community of toronto And uh, we did not grow up with very much. My parents were Italian immigrants, came over from Italy, started from scratch. Everything was basically just sort of, uh, you know, 
you know, I, it was day by day. There was really no uh, talk about anything at all to do with money. And it, and it was not just never talked about. It was pretty much, um, I think, purposely ignored. And I think it's just because, A, of course, they didn't know. Um, and B, they put us in a position where, um, you know, it's almost like you have to sort of uh, trust the fact that they're saying that uh, people that do have money aren't, aren't, aren't like us. They're different people. They're the people, you know, they're people who are the bosses. They're not the people who are the employees, stuff like that. Um, so when I started looking at what you were doing, it makes perfect sense because until I was 16 years old, I had nothing at all, nothing taught not to me, nothing, nothing mentioned to me. And then I went to the library. I started spending hours and hours and hours at the library. And I read one book that changed everything for me called Personal Finance for Dummies. It's about as basic as it gets. But when you've never heard any of that stuff, and, and maybe you'll agree with me, but um, when you've never heard about, in, in your case, you were talking about some of the American terms uh, over here in, in Canada, we've got different versions, but similar um, types of investments. Uh, GICs are, are what we have, um, RRSPs, uh, you guys have the Roth IRAs in, in that sense, um, mortgages, amortization, uh, interest rates, like all these things that were never, and still to this day, I don't think, I, I think they kind of sail over it in schools for kids. And, and, and I just mean all kids, uh, especially the ones that grow up without uh, any, you know, any parental uh, assistance. Cause uh, a lot of us, if we don't get that, um, that might be the only way we're going to learn this stuff. So uh, I think it's really great that you're, you know, that you're, taking the, the, uh, the angle that you're taking and starting uh, by letting those people know this is where you're from, but this is what you've been able to do. Thank you. I appreciate that. So, yeah, so basically you've, uh, you've come up, as you mentioned, from the banking industry. And of course, uh, again, because this is a real estate podcast, of course, I always like asking uh, if people do have, uh, you know, certain real estate, uh, you know, either experiences or stories or tips, uh, anything that you want to share. But uh, you mentioned that in one of your, um, in the story you just mentioned, uh, that you, you, uh, you had met someone, I believe, in the banking industry and, and they were uh, real estate investors. So um, tell me a little bit about that. If there's uh, if there's any, if there's any stories or any uh, experiences that you have in terms of the, uh, the real estate world uh, growing up and, or, uh, you know, in recent years. Yeah. I think, I think that is the story, right? So That's it. Yeah. Okay. growing up in, um, in New York on section eight, I lived in an apartment um, with my mom, and my siblings, um, and, and my dad, but my parents had separated. So my dad left and that's really where I became aware of the household finances. Yep. And, um, I just thought that when I was adult, when, when I became an adult and independent adult, that I would go out and do the same thing. I would get yep. an apartment in New York. I would get on section eight and, um, that would just kind of be like life. Yeah. It didn't occur to me that, um, I could own a home from one. I thought that it was super expensive and I would never be able to afford it. Yeah. 
um, or that if I were able to afford it, that would be way later on down the line. And um, when I realized that, you know, this peer of mine owned a home, I was like, well, you know, how? I think that that's maybe the, the, the transformative question that people ask themselves instead of like, I can't do this or you know, this is not for me. Like, how do I do this? How do you, and yeah, yeah. Good, 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 good way to phrase it. Good, good, positive language. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, you know, once the how question was asked and, and we started, when I talk about financial trauma, I use this kind of 3E methodology where I talk about, you know, exposure, which is becoming aware of a thing and then education, which is figuring out, you know, how to acquire that thing and then execution. So going out and doing the work. And um, in, in this particular instance, it was, okay, I have a friend who is, you know, less than five years older than I am who owns real estate. That's the exposure. Mm -hmm. The education was, okay, well, what's involved in making that happen, right? So how much money do I need to make? What does my credit need to look like? Um, you know, what is a down payment going to look like? What are the programs available? And at that time, I had no idea what FHA was, which is, um, I don't know if there's an equivalent in Canada, but um, basically like a federal program that allows for you to buy real estate at um, three, less than 5% of a down payment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have, we have similar types of programs kind of off and on different at different times. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, the friend of mine, you know, she didn't use, I don't think that she used FHA. I think she, she purchased a conventional uh, mortgage. And so her down payment was closer to 20%, which of course was significantly greater. So I'm thinking, okay, as I'm pursuing this goal that I need to have at least $20,000 saved up to put as a down payment. And um, it was through a series of events, including um, reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and going to a couple of the Rich Dad seminars where I learned about the different programs um, and the benefit of, you know, this being the first time home buyer uh, scenario for me. So I was fixated on the idea of buying multifamily real estate based off of that exposure. And uh, my goal was to do it by the time I turned 25. So I started working in banking at 21. I said, okay, I could do this within, you know, five years or so. Yeah. Um, I ended up buying at 26. So mm -hmm. I was a year off and really kind of like the delay occurred because a lot of the money that I had saved, that was about twelve dollars $13,000. Um, I had used to buy into a training through the rich dad, um, program okay. that was going to, you know, somehow, some way, give me the education that I needed to turn around and make the money right back. Yeah, the hard sales pitch, and I was inexperienced to recognize, you know, what was involved in that hard sales pitch. So I said, "Oh, you know, okay, cool, I'll do it." And um, that was all the money that I had saved to buy a house to put a down payment on, you know, a house. So that was a little bit of a setback for me. But when I learned that, you know, the money that I was making at that particular point in time, the credit that I had, um, and of this program where I could put down, you know, three percent on you know as a down payment then i started looking again and i was able to um find a property that was uh, and i actually got lucky less than market value because it was part of an estate and they were looking to settle the estate very quickly mm 
I put down the um three and a half percent. There were seller concessions that covered most of the clothing cost for me. Yeah. And um I walked away with keys to a multifamily uh house. So um that was my experience with real estate. My only experience at this point with real estate, but well, um, I was very That's happy a, to have been stuff. able to accomplish that coming from a mentality of, you know, I want to grow up and live in an apartment to, you know, now I own income producing property. That's again, that's an incredible thing to be, you know, to, to be very proud of at 26, at 46, at 66. Um, so the fact that you were one year off um, is is just basically testament to the fact. And, and I think that people hopefully that are listening um, just just hearing two uh, again, I, I and just just so again, in case anybody hasn't heard this story for me, is um, I didn't come from a real estate family. Nobody in my family did any kind of business whatsoever. Uh, every single relative that I had was in the construction trades uh, industry, and and that pretty much was where I was going to end up, unless. Um, I decided to do something again, sort of off the off the beaten path. Um, and I was working in the fitness industry. I was in I was working in gyms. I was a personal trainer. All this kind of stuff for about a decade. Uh, and then real estate, just for some reason, started to call call out to me. Um, so the fact that you've made this sort of you know uh, big life movement at that age is is fantastic. Um, and the fact that you you know did it at any point is 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 a great lesson for people to learn. So um, to well, I guess to wrap things up for our podcast, um, uh, Rakim, uh, what would you say is again sort of the uh, I guess the best advice that you can give someone again, because of course, as you know, uh, maybe uh, your friends and family are, are maybe doing the same, making their 2023, uh, you know, resolutions, and uh, some of them will be fitness, some of them will be finances, some of them will be travel. Um, so, what do you think as far as uh, giving some people advice in terms of uh, setting goals like you did? Because as far as I can tell, I don't know if you've done it this way, but um, for me, unless it's in writing, and and I and my writing is, and my kids will tell you this too. My writing is terrible, uh, and I can barely read it sometimes. But when I'm actually physically putting the pen to paper, uh, and I'm setting goals, and I've done this in from my teens, um, it's 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 shocking how close I get, uh, and not and not right on, and not that year, and and sometimes not even near that amount of money. But sometimes uh, it's shocking how close I've gotten. So, uh, what are your sort of um, uh, sort of parting tips for uh, people? Uh, again, just sort of like you, maybe ten years younger than you, and uh, you know, deciding what they want to do. I would echo um, the significance of writing down your goals. I think there is a certain level of accountability that comes with you know making that commitment and just you know writing it like physically writing it not typing it into your notes or on a word document but taking a pen or paper and you know writing it down and maybe even looking at that every day um but also the execution piece is, is probably the hardest for a lot of people right so i would say get in and around people who have done it so that you can ask the questions that need asking or at least get insight into the things that you don't know because I think that's that's often a part of the equation too you don't know what you don't know and in yeah. my experience some of that was related to credit 
I didn't, I didn't understand credit at that particular point in time. I didn't know what a credit score was or You're how to so, pull my credit you know report. What? You're so right. Credit, we didn't talk about much, but it is, uh, it, it, it's the, it's the shovel. It's the, it's the shovel that digs the grave for a lot of people because they don't know anything about it and they, and they dig their own graves. Um, because of that. And, and it's just so easy to do. So you're, you're, you're so right about that. Very good point. Yeah. Um, and then I would, I would echo, you know, the statement that I had made earlier around reframing these questions in a very positive light that says, you know, how, like, you know, whatever it is, how can I accomplish this? How can I make more money? How can I buy a house? How can I, whatever, um, because I think when you ask that question, not of anybody else, but more specifically of yourself, mm-hmm. you start wiring your brain to find a solution instead of resigning to this idea that it's just not possible for you. So, um, I mean, I have had many experiences where I'm doing something like taking a shower or, you know, driving my car. And I'm just like, how can I do X, Y, Z? And mm-hmm. a million ideas will surface. And I think when those ideas surface again, writing them down and then taking action on them near immediately. Right. You know, sometimes people sit on there like, Oh, I'll get around to it. I'll do this later. I think when you have that idea, taking action, you know, almost as soon as you can in um, writing down that idea and figuring out what is the process to make this thing come alive is going to be crucial to um, not only establishing goals, but accomplishing those goals. Uh, you know what? Yeah, you're absolutely, uh, again, I absolutely 100% agree with you. And I'm, again, I'm so glad that we had a chance to, uh, again, do this virtual sit down, this podcast today. Um, and I really want to thank you for your time. I know you're a busy man. So let people know what the best way to reach you, maybe the best way, because we, I, 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 I apologize as well. I have not uh, had a chance to um, read your book, but it's definitely something I'm going to do. Um, and so let, let people know how to, how to best reach you and, and, of course, where to get your book. And um, we'll take it from there. Yeah, um, I am everywhere at Rock Chemistry. So Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Pinterest, YouTube, you name it. Um, that's just my full name, R-A-H-K-I-M-S-A-B-R-E-E. My website is rockkimsabree.com. Um, I have two books currently. One is Mentorship, the Playbook. The other is Financially Irresponsible. Both are available at Amazon. And um, I have a newsletter that goes out every Friday, and it's called Overcoming Financial Trauma. You can find that at rockkimsabree.substack.com. Um, and so again, my name dot substack.com and I send out a newsletter every Friday at 9.30 a.m. just kind of talking about this concept of financial trauma and my experience and others' experience in um, overcoming it. Okay, wonderful. Well, thanks again, uh, Rakim. I pre- appreciate your time today and uh, hopefully we'll uh, reconnect maybe again in the new year for uh, possibly another, uh, you know, another podcast or another topic. Absolutely. I look forward to it. Thank you. Okay. So I have, uh,